Today on the Nerd Outcast podcast, we talk about the Nintendo DS. Hello and welcome back. I'm your host, Chris Bashan. And like I mentioned just a moment ago, we're going to talk about the Nintendo DS family, which includes the DS, the DS XL, the DS Lite, the 3DS, the new 3DS, so many, so many different hands handhelds that are within the same family that we need to talk about um as is usual for my podcast i've brought on a group of experts who feel they can speak with some authority on this given topic my first uh expert is all the way over in new york city and uh introduce yourself my friend hi i'm christian masonic hello christian how are you doing i'm doing okay we're it's we're a few days out after uh, an attempted coup in the united states of america that was very sad <laughs> Uh, but hey, hey. other than that, I'm I'm dynamite. <laughs> You're good, good. How is New York treating you? Um, pretty good. I haven't got a chance to do much yet because I've only been here since the quarantine began. Um, so, um, but the the sidewalks um, are nice, I guess, and and various stores. But I haven't gone to anywhere cool. Awesome. <laughs> um, you, 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 that's plenty of time to play video games then. So exactly. hopefully that has happened. Um, Christian, you've been on Nintendo podcasts before, uh, obviously on this show. So, um, can you tell me your favorite DS game and your favorite 3DS game? Yes. So my favorite 3DS game is Fire Emblem Awakening. That was actually what kind of prompted me to get it. I didn't get it right away. Um, <laughs> And so that one's my favorite. And then for 2D, um, just, well, not the 2DS, that, that's something different. <laughs> for the DS, um, I never owned one, so I've only played a few games on the 3DS. Um, and I'm going to say my favorite game is Nine Hours, Nine Persons, Nine Doors. Yeah, I've heard of that it's one. It's really, um, really cool. Okay, cool. Uh, well, hold on to your thoughts. We will get to them very soon. Uh, my other expert is also in where New are, York. Aren't you, where are name? you, Dan? I'm, I'm in New England. I'm, <laughs> oh, I'm you're like in New an England. hour north of Boston. Yeah. You're in Boston. I am on the East Coast. For some reason, I thought you were in uh, Buffalo. Uh, uh, no, no, no. That's where I'm from. But uh, no, I, I live in New England. So like, I live in New Hampshire right now, but I'll be moving to Maine soon. Oh. So I'm up, I'm up more northeast. So, so my other uh, expert is in New England. What is your name, sir? My name is Dan Schiffmacher, and I am doing okay. You too. <laughs> You're doing great. Nobody You're asked, great. Man, Don't play it down. Just... Don't play it down. Um, so, Dan, we also know that you are a Nintendo fan, and mm -hmm. we know that um, the Game Boy was your jam, right? The Game Boy was, like was. your, was your yeah. jam. So, yep. I'm, I'm sh hopefully you have thoughts about the, the successor to the Game Boy. Um, same question I asked to Christian. What is your favorite DS game? What's your favorite 3DS game? So 3DS is pretty easy because uh, I uh, like I'm an ambassador, as they say, with the 3DS. Ooh. So I like had it from the beginning. Uh, and so my favorite game, I think, is Link, A Link Between Worlds. I think that game just made the best use of the 3D and... Uh, it just was great to visit that map and it topped down. It just everything about that game I really love. Um, to my regular DS game, it, it's tough. I didn't get it initially, but I feel like the game I played most, believe it or not, is is Brain Age, like the oh. Brain Age games. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I think a lot of people played that game, so you are you are not wrong. I mean, there to are so that. many good games in the DS, but that's the one I can think of playing the most. Oh. 
I can't wait to talk about the DS. I it, yeah. So okay, yeah. great. Well, awesome, sir. We will we will get back to you. Um, my next expert is in Chicago. Uh, what is your name, my friend? Hi, I'm Bill Nielsen, and I'm on the lookout for the rumored Nintendo 5DS that only can be played on a motorcycle. <laughs> we'll talk about predictions at the end of the show. Um, Bill, I think you were on our big um, you were on our big Genesis discussion, weren't you? Didn't we do a, a discussion on the Genesis or Sega in general? Can confirm he was there. Yeah, I think it was on for yeah. yeah. Um, no, I'm excited to do like another hardware chat with you and i know i i was on your show to talk about the playstation right didn't we do a playstation episode yeah yeah we did yeah um so same questions to you what's your favorite ds game and what's your favorite 3ds game my favorite ds game is elite beat agents and my favorite 3ds game is pcross 3d round two not what i was expecting (laughs) but that is fantastic Um, take that in your face (laughs) i will take that i will take that um perfect uh well hold on to your thoughts we will get to it very soon uh my last expert is here in los angeles he is new to the show and what is your name my friend i am mason kale welcome mason uh so uh excited to have you on the show i'm so excited to be here um so i know you're you're a huge gamer mason um and you are a Nintendo fanatic, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, like I have my my few fandoms that have that have caused me to be pretty pretty tied to Nintendo. I was I was a child of Ocarina of Time, uh, and um, that has shaped me deeply. I feel that it's shaped a, a generation of people deeply, and you know what? I think that is uh, a good thing. I will not speak ill of Ocarina of Time. Absolutely um, not. So you have perfect. before though. <laughs> I have before. You're not wrong. I have spoken ill of Ocarina of Time, but that's for that podcast. So we'll talk about that I some mean... other time. <laughs> I recently poo-pooed somebody who said Ocarina of Time was their favorite, but we won't get into that right now. Well, it's not um, my favorite. It's not right. my favorite. Sure, sure. Um, so, Mason, same questions to you. What's your favorite DS game, favorite 3DS game? Okay, I'm so excited. Okay, my favorite DS game, Castlevania Dawn of Sorrow. So oh, good. Yes. So badass. Love it to death. Perfect. And um, what about the 3DS? Oh, um, Fire Emblem Awakening. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Fire Emblem. Another vote for Fire Emblem. All right. I would have said I would have said Link Between Worlds, but I was just kind of like, I, I, it didn't it didn't hit me the way I wanted it to. Okay. All right. I feel that could be a whole separate discussion. So, so we'll see if we we get to that um awesome mason well hold on to your thoughts i'm we're gonna jump into this very shortly um now i introduce our outcast uh this person perhaps maybe doesn't know about this subject quite as well or maybe has never uh owned a nintendo ds or 3ds he has been on the show before and his name is mark sola you can fix that in post um i can fix that in post hello hello mark how are you how are you doing i'm good uh glad to be here um sorry uh that it was the last i was the last minute you're peeking behind the curtain now ladies and gentlemen uh i was the last minute addition to this roster and i don't know much about uh history biology or science book but uh i did buy my girlfriend a nintendo 3ds uh several Christmases ago. Um, so I've held one and I've purchased one, but I've not, I, I haven't really owned these systems. So, you know, I'm hoping y'all can 
educate me, open my eyes to this forgotten history that I missed out on. Um, Mark, have you? Did you own like a Game Boy or a Game Boy Advance back in the day? Yes, as a youth, uh, I had a Game Boy, and I, I enjoyed playing the basic, basic games on there, uh, like on family car trips and stuff. Um, and then, like as a man. <laughs> I was telling this story off mic earlier. I um wa- I wanted one of the first iPhones when iPhone first came out, and uh, uh, the girl I was seeing at the time got me a PSP, which very nice present, you know, but not an- very expensive present too. I might yeah. add. I mean, not as expensive as an iPhone, right. but so she kind of went cheap yeah. on me. But um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, this is completely different than an iPhone, but it does have a screen. And I had uh, a couple nice commutes playing that portable system. But after that, all my gaming's been uh, either on a console or cellular. Okay, um, very good. Well, Mark, you are you are the outcast, so you are allowed to chime in, ask questions follow-ups whatever you want to do i mean not whatever you want to do but you know generally speaking you have you have extraordinary power here thank you sir so um it is up to you whether you use that power and with with that said we are going to jump into this discussion um i want to throw out kind of some stats to kind of launch this this chat here um the ds was released in 2004 uh, it was originally released as what Nintendo called the third pillar, meaning it was not meant to replace the Game Boy. It was supposed to be in addition to the handheld division, in addition to the console division, like it was going to be its own thing. Um, ultimately, the DS series, which includes the DS, the DS Lite, all the different uh, versions of that system, sold 154 million units which puts it as the second best-selling video game system of all time behind the PS2. The best-selling game for the original DS was New Super Mario Bros. The 3DS was released in 2011 with multiple versions that came out of that system as well. It ultimately sold 75 uh, million units, and its best-selling game was Mario Kart 7. So I think if you combine, if you think of the DS as a family, its combined sales surpasses everything. Um, and most recently, back in September of 2020, Nintendo announced that they were discontinuing the 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 line. The, the DS series was ending, and that's kind of the end of an era um, as Nintendo has opted to merge their mobile division uh, with, or sorry, their handheld division with consoles. So there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I guess my first question to the group is with these sales numbers, what, like, what do you all think was the success behind both the DS and 3DS? Like, what do you think was the secret that made it do so well? I mean, I think a lot of it had to be that they were really the only game in town. They, they pretty much had that market cornered. Um, yes, there was the PSP, but the PSP did not sell very well and the Vita sold even worse Um, and you know the Game Gear was long gone and that's really all that there's been and and, and in a a time before mobile gaming uh, there was some mobile gaming that existed before smartphones but not very many Um, the DS I mean that's all you had I mean that's all the DS and the Game Boy before it which Game Boy also sold very very well Um, was really the only game in town. So if you wanted to play in a car trip or on the train or on a plane, 
Um, that was the only thing you could do. Whereas consoles, you know, the market is split by so many things. So I think that's why it did so well in the beginning. Um, and even, you know, even when smartphones came, you know, came around, it was still some years before they became ubiquitous and everyone had one. And I do think ultimately that's what led to the slow demise of uh, needing a just a dedicated portable um, because smartphone gaming sort of surpassed it. I also, I, I think Nintendo kind of understood the role the handheld was going to play in a child's life a little bit better than um, its, its you know, ill-fated competitors did. Uh, you know, there were accessories and cases to the DS, and, you know, the DS, in my mind, and the Game Boy SP almost looked like little Pokedexes. They understood that kids wanted their console to be like this little gadget, like their favorite characters that they would whip out and enter their game worlds. And I don't know, it was this fantastical little thing I could travel with that wasn't tied to my TV like my PS2. I think that also like with yeah like yeah that's definitely part of it too. I think with with the DS specifically they um they kind of were innovating there. Like there was touchscreen stuff before touchscreen stuff was like on phones and everything. Like they they were doing it. I remember Miyamoto made a crack at a reporter once who said that like, "Oh, Apple, what do you guys think about smartphone? You know, things touchscreen all this stuff." I'm like, "Well, we were doing touchscreen before they were doing touchscreen stuff." So, um they uh so like i think that was part of it and i i, I think it's important to bring up that the 3ds was not a hit when it came out no. like it was a, it was a failure when it i mean for the most part like they recouped and they like they got into the groove of things and got a say thing you know once they kind of relaunched it so like uh it's one of the best set like great sellers now because they have really solid games for it but when it initially came out uh, having been someone who bought like a few games, I was like, I don't, I don't even really like these games, but I, but I, but I bought them. Yeah, when you launch with um, Pilot Wings as your as your flagship <laughs> game, you're not, not. It was yeah, Pilot Wings, Street Fighter. Uh, and there was like a I submarine think, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steel Diver uh, yeah, and and Ocarina of Time. Uh, and was, Star Fox. Was, was, and Star Fox. Star Fox yeah, yeah, cool. That's right. But we played those and, ten uh, years. ago. Yeah. Now that was yeah. the first time I played Ocarina of Time, believe it or not. So that oh. wasn't bad, but um, yeah. So like, I think that the DS was, you know, such a departure from the Game Boy, which you know, talk a little later about that. But like, it was, you know, I don't know. That's kind of what drew me to it with the different. Um, just it's it was so different. I agree with everything that's been said up until now, and just uh, with uh, with the marketing, I think of the. DS and the 3DS like last scene with the PlayStation 1 where they really tried to redefine that system as like cool and for uh, like a new type of gamer I think they did the same thing especially with the Nintendo DS with games like Brain Age and Dogs, where they were trying to reach out to new audiences non-traditional gamers and like not only with the the style of gameplay, but also with like stylus-based controls where, you know, if you hadn't grown up using like D-pads and, and button pads, then this is like something that's more, it's easier to grok, but really. And uh, also, you know, I just um, gonna put a disclaimer here. You know, I, I'm an American. I'm saying what I think is true about another culture, but like uh, Japanese gamers, uh, from my understanding, you know, they're, they are more likely to play handheld games, just not as... Uh, traditional to have like a home console like people of course still do have them but you are more likely to have people traveling 
uh, you know, by train or on their lunch break playing uh, a DS. And I think like also being the leading handheld for that era, like you, you get that, that market that wouldn't necessarily be there for like a, a home console. Hmm. Mark, you, uh, I want to touch on something that you you mentioned, um, but you you've been to Japan a couple times now, right? Yeah, guilty correct? as charged. Uh, guilty as charged. White um, nerd going to Japan. <laughs> Walk in stereotype. Um, uh, there there is truth to what Bill speaks about. I had a, I've had a couple of friends live in Japan, and like the gaming culture is just a little bit different there as far as like where to play and what you play. Um, I don't know when your trips were. To Japan, but did you notice anything of the sort when you were there? Or? Um, my trip started in 2011, so um, I, okay. I like, and I was in Tokyo and other cities. So like, I can't speak for all of Japan because there's rural areas and there's sort of suburb areas too. But like, getting around on the train, yeah, I did see a lot of people who I would consider like grown-up adult business people. Um, playing mobile games um i did not see a ton of nintendo products um Hmm. it was basically cell phone gaming that i was observing but again i mean these were strangers i I didn't talk to them about their game lives um so i think like that a factor in maybe um uh, a comfort with mobile gaming in japan is that there's less um driving you know, it's a it's a very population dense place, and they have good public transit in their cities. So, like, why own a car? Um, so, if you're going to be on the train a lot, why not play a game while you're there? Mm-hmm. You mentioned um, did, you mentioned near the top of the show that you bought your girlfriend a DS at one point. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, the 3DS, and that was yeah specifically um, so she could play uh, Pokemon Sun. The like the yes. Alolan one, and I, you know, I'm not a complete uh, DS uh, uh, novice because I did play a few minutes of Pokemon Sun on 3DS. <laughs> Are you a Pokemon novice? I mean, now I just kind of feel I need to know that. I'm, I'm I've been playing Pokemon Go since day one. Um, oh wow! But Pokemon isn't my jam. I didn't grow up with it, um, and so like it's more of an activity that we do together okay. than like a thing I'm deep into, but it's a good excuse to like go for a walk. I, I think it's, I think it's interesting that you meant that you said you got your um, girlfriend at 3DS. Cause I remember I have this really specific memory about the DS. Um, I was in Chicago. I was at a improv house party. Uh, the best kind of house party. The best, the best <laughs> improv party. Everyone's so um, funny. Which, every, yeah. Everyone is Such funny. Meaningful everyone, you know, so, so it's a house party of like hundreds of people, you know, in, from the improv community in Chicago all together. And we were at this house uh, of these three uh, women improvisers that they were hosting. And over the course of the evening, this was probably like 2007, 2008, um, I found out that each one of them had a DS system. And it really stuck out to me. I was like, oh, girls are purchasing this. Um, and like some of them had like the pink one, some of them had the the regular system and they were playing like Brain Age as, as it has already been brought up. Um, but Nintendogs was another one that they were playing. And it was like the first time in, in 
kind of my adult life, I had really seen the market expand, you know, uh, to include other different types of gamers. And I thought that was really cool, but also really strange to me at the same time, but also like neat, you know, I was like, Oh, they're doing it. Like Nintendo, whatever it is, they did it, you know, like everyone's buying this thing. Do you all remember when the DS was announced and like the 3DS? Do you, do any of you have your kind of like initial reactions to those systems? Cause I did not like the DS when it was first announced. I thought it was a really strange, system the two screens made no sense to me it was touch screen like i just didn't i didn't get the point of the system and i don't think nintendo entirely knew what to do with the system since they were hedging it as a third pillar that could potentially fail um yeah dan i see you kind of nodding yeah i i was uh i think because i was always a little bit behind with like you know getting the systems until i bought my like own gamecube like i bought it when it came out so I was kind of, I think I, the GameCube was around the time, right? The same time, yes. like around that? Little, the Game little Cube, earlier. The GameCube, yeah. a little bit earlier, but the GameCube was doing poorly. Yeah. I was yeah. focused, I think, more, I mean, on like that. And I was fine. I had a Game Boy Advance. I was fine with like that kind of stuff. And so I didn't really, like I saw that the DS came out, like, but I didn't like really jump at it because I thought it was cool, but I didn't really know, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the Game Boy that I had known for 10 years, you know, like oh, the versions of Game Boys that I had uh, purchased over the past 10 years. So, um, yeah, it, it didn't have anything crazy that, that uh, you know, really jumped out at me that um, I, cause I don't really remember specifically the DS launch. I just remember at some point like my brother had one and then I, then I got to know the system more when he got one. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. The original DS is ugly. Like it is a it is an ugly system. Like the top shell is smaller than the bottom shell. It's kind of got this weird. Dis- oh, Ma- yeah, Mason. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm clutching my proverbial pearls. <laughs> Wait one second, my my audio is being dumb. That's all right. Um, but uh, no. Yeah, I I uh, I remember seeing the. I mean, I think I was just like this gullible, like, like give me my games child, because every time a new iteration of the Nintendo handheld came out, I was like, I need it now. So no, uh, I was yeah. excited about that initial clunky uh, blue shelled. I had the blue one. But yeah, I remember uh, how uh, it was almost like a turtle shell, the way it would come down like a little dome over the top. And then there were the shoulder buttons kind of poking out. Yeah, I think that's what really bothered me is it didn't like close... Like its form factor was not elegant necessarily, so it didn't close into like this perfect uh, rectangle, which later on they would do that. Um, but like that first system uh, was a very, very interesting. Was it um, the DSi or the DS Lite that really? I, I've heard there was a one that really improved the look, and then people yeah. like l- began liking it a lot more. It was it's, right it's, after it. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they the light, started. right? I think. Yeah, the light was released in two thousand and six, so two years later. But also, yeah. they they were kind of like, "Hey, this DS thing, it's uh, that newfangled Wi-Fi stuff. It can use it to play with your friends." And here's a Mario Kart game. And I remember, uh, like, the whole culture that was like slowly developing around like staying up past bedtime and playing Mario Kart with people across the world. So. Now that we've kind of established that the, the you know Nintendo itself did not necessarily believe the system may take off, um, obviously they were proven wrong. What kind of led each of you to picking up either a DS or a 3DS? Was there a specific 
game? Was there a specific feature? Um, like what kind of brought you into the fold? So for me, I didn't get a DS. It came out when I like late in high school for me. And it's, I think it's Zenith was when I was in college. Um, and my, that was kind of like my lowest point in gaming in general. Um, I was pretty much just playing, you know, video game, like melee with my friends and stuff. Like I wasn't, I had the youth obsession with video games had diminished into like a teenage, just wanting girls to like me. And then it was only once I got a little bit more secure in myself and, uh, that I was all like, actually they might like me even if I, uh, have the hobbies that I want. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that was a, that was a low period, um, of gaming in general. But by the time the 3DS came out, I was back in. Um, and I watched the, the E3, it was E3 2011 when they first, uh, announced it. And that was a great E3 in general for Nintendo. Um, and then they just, at the end, after they'd already showed Skyward Sword and uh, other M, which turned out to be bad, but I didn't know that at the time and bringing back Donkey Kong country. I was already so excited about Nintendo. And then he's like, Oh, by the way. And he pulled out the 3ds and he's like talking about how you can, it'll be 3d, but you won't wear glasses. And I didn't understand how that could be. Cause the glasses were what I hated about 3d movies. Um, so I was just so floored. Um, and then they started bringing them around to different places. Like they came to Chicago. You could play it at Ogilvy Transportation Center. Um, and I, at the time, I was living in the suburbs and commuting into the city. So I was going to Ogilvy Transportation Center every day. And while the 3DS setup was there, I would play it. And you play it for like five minutes at a time. But I was aware of the fact that, wow, these games that they have aren't really selling me on it because they didn't really have anything that cool. So I didn't end up getting it until Fire Emblem Awakening came out and it looked so amazing that I finally had to get, pick it up. And I was very glad I did. That's It's so interesting that Fire Emblem is what kind of roped you in, Christian, because that's not necessarily a game that even uses the 3D. I mean, it uses the 3D, but it's not... You don't need the 3D to play Fire Emblem. I mean, very few know? of the games do need the 3D. The, the 3D That's was true. ultimately not implemented. I mean, it, it looks cool, but it's a gimmick, and you get over it in the first week or so of, of having right. it. Um, everybody else, what, what about all of you? What kind of latched you into the DS family? Yeah, only so many times you can add depth to the tracks on Excite Bike before you're like, okay, I get it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, uh, at first I kind of thought like the DS was too gimmicky. Like, uh, you know, in, in that third pillar sense, I was like, well, are they just going to make games that like use both screens or like use the stylus? Like, that's kind of what I saw with like Metroid Prime Hunters is like, oh, this isn't exactly a Metroid game. It's kind of like got Metroid in it, but you use the stylus and it's like a deathmatch multiplayer thing or something. So it wasn't until a couple years later when some of the more uh, oddball titles started showing up on the system uh, that kind of drew my attention where it's like, these are the games that are like maybe a little too low tech for the current gen of like 360 PS3, but they still have these really novel ideas like Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney or Elite Beat Agents. Uh, it's like kind of oddball stuff like that and stuff that used the stylus in ways that I hadn't previously imagined. That's what got me on board. Um, 
and then with the with the 3ds it was a little more uh like straightforward where it's like you know as as was mentioned earlier you know the games weren't really there at launch but then uh eventually you know link between worlds came out fire emblem came out mario 3d lands came out it's like oh okay now there's stuff to play on here and it's you know well reviewed and looks great so let's jump on the bus mason what about you um so getting on the ds train kind of like i said it was like the next progression like i think i got it as like a hanukkah or a birthday gift um and like for me i have a deep uh like burning love for the legend of zelda and castlevania and you know, those handheld games carried me through so much of my childhood, so I kind of knew that they were going to be on the DS. And uh, I'm also, like, a big, like, of the various kinds of nerds I am, and I'm an anime nerd. And then I remember when they announced that, hey, um, while we're changing the art style for the newest Castlevania, the DS Castlevania is going to have Soma Cruz in it, and you're going to draw, like, ceiling circles Full Metal Alchemist style like spell circles on your screen to seal the bosses when you beat them. It's one of the they always kept at like for me that gimmick thing of the touchscreen was like yes this will this will be the way of the future and they showed the like different uh, gimmicks they were adding for you know what were already to me good games and I was just like yes I'm so on board for this and then for the 3ds I was just like kind of in a drought for handheld gaming while in my sophomore year of college and the 3ds came out and i just kind of like found out about it from my roommate he's like you know that there's a 3ds now i'm like 3d you say yeah and it has a uh a star fox 64 and a uh ocarina's of, of time port and i'm like i could have a 3d version of my two favorite n64 games in my pocket and like legitimately like just like fire tracks like to the to the game stop I mean, those are two really great games to have in your pocket. You know? Yeah. So it was um, always it was always the games for me, and then like the hardware would come at me second. Right. Dan, as you know, like how did you how did you leave the Game Boy for the DS? So, what did it? Yeah. So at that point, I had the GBA SP, um, and then it, it, between me and my brother is always one up of each other we tried to like you get the next best thing kind of thing the game boy Adva- a- the game boy advance sp by the way is a slick little handheld oh right. so cool it's so Sim- cool. i don't think i've ever even Sim- seen one i still have, I still have mine, mine. mine still mine's have packed one. up yeah it, i have the uh um they so yeah ever since the beginning of the game boy i wanted like i just want a backlit screen i want to not be able to i want to be able to play this without having to go under like a lamp um and uh, Game Boy Advance, when it came out, was like, it, the, the box art made it look like the back screen was illuminated, but I didn't know at the time. There was no internet for me to be like, okay, was it, um, at least for me. Um, so, anyway, GB, that's what I had GBSP. My brother had, the, he got the original DS, and so he'd be playing that. And so I was like, I'm not going to get that. I'm going to wait for whatever's next. And so I got the DS Lite, uh, and I had that for a while, and it was great. And, um, you know, being able to play, like we were playing a lot of Mario Kart um, and then the Brain Age stuff that I was playing. And then there's some other games I think there's like Metroid Prime Hunters. I didn't, I think my little brother had, I don't think I had, but uh, I mean, Super Mario 64 by four was a really cool uh, different take, you know, on, on the, uh, 
on the game. And even Super Mario Brothers, the new Super Mario Brothers, was, was a really cool game in itself as well. Um, and then from that, you know, I was kind of like, you know, I was like, okay, I'm into this now. And then when they announced, the, like, the 3DS with the glasses-free 3D, I was like, that's such a cool, different thing. Um, I I was like, yeah, okay, I mean, I can play my, I can play my old uh, uh, DS games on it. Oh, and the DS Lite was also great because you could play Game Boy games. I think Game Boy Advance games. Yes, yeah, the, the DS, uh, the, the so the Game Boy Advance SP was backwards compatible with Game Boy games and yeah. the DS was compatible was backwards compatible with Game Boy Advance games and then obviously yeah. the 3DS is backwards compatible with DS games. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they got rid of the they got rid of the, the port at the top. But um so yeah, I got into the I was already in the DS thing and so I was like the 3DS is in like being sitting there and like just like seeing like some they had the AR games that came with the 3DS as well. That was like their first kind of thing of AR and like I thought that was like the coolest thing as well as just the the how they managed to make that effect um with i don't i can't remember i think i got street fighter and and ocarina were the two games that i i started with um but it was just a cool thing to see their their demos that they had and how that how they made that work so i was kind of hooked into it um after that and then ended up with the link between worlds ds 3ds xl that's where i ended with that so Mark, how are you doing? Oh, I'm a little thirsty, but other than that, fine. <laughs> I want to check in with you, Mark. Uh, have we done it? Have we convinced you to um, to go get a discontinued system yet? You know, or just ask your girlfriend for hers. That's right. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Like um, this conversation is having a similar influence on me as this one episode of House I saw like a year and a half ago. You know, House MD, and like. He's supposed to be working at the hospital and his like uh, employee comes in and sees him and he's playing Metroid on, I think, a Game Boy Advance. Um, and like I, I have a nostalgic love of Metroid stuff. Um, and I was like, damn, that looks like fun. Like I should play one of these little handout systems. I didn't, of course, because um, I think the reality of like grabbing up one of these systems um, for me is I'm like this is really cool. And then five minutes in, I'm like, uh, I prefer the gameplay on a console. So like, you know, unless I'm forced to be away from the home, like if I'm commuting or something on a train, then these systems are awesome. But right now I would, I would like to check one out for nostalgia purposes, but not for like the long haul. What, um, what about, so what is it about the, you, what is the barrier, I guess, Mark? Like, um, like I, you're not the first person to say to me, like they want to sit down and, you know, like game on a TV. Um, like, do you game on a laptop or, you know, you, what is no, it? <laughs> I'm a console gamer. Um, I like the experience of having the, the like dedicated joystick controller in my hand. Um, also, like, I don't know if this is just like I'm getting older and weaker type thing, but on the 3DS, for like the three and a half minutes that I played Pokemon Sun, the um, like, the D stick, like not the D, not not the cross, but like the swively one, you know, the thumbstick. Uh, yeah. I felt like it had too much pull toward the center, like it wanted it. It was like hard to hold down in one direction for too long so i'm like running my little guy around alola and uh i was just like damn it why can't why isn't this thumbstick easier to push 
<laughs> that's fair. I guess that's fair. It's got a, It's got a weird kind of. It's not. It just takes some getting used to, like a sliding D pad or a sliding thumbstick, so the system can close. Um, it still works. Like it's still a good analog system. It just feels a little different from like a normal. Isn't bad. Nintendo just great at designing hardware where it's like, you know this totally standard thing that we don't need to innovate at all? What if we made it, but we made it like extra weird but super sturdy? Right. I, well, and like <laughs> Nintendo, like it's, Nintendo is such a weird, weird little toy maker. Like when I, when I first saw the DS, I was confused. I was scared. <laughs> I just didn't get two two screens. Why would you ever need two screens? And why would you touch a screen? You know, like my dad taught me growing up, you don't touch the screen and you don't touch the DVDs or the CDs. Like you don't touch those things. Well, and do you remember the marketing for the DS? Like no. it was very like touching it like the it was touching is good. And there were reasons even like some suggestive commercials for it. Like they had a little bit of an advantage like but like the marketing for the DS was like literally the, it was touching is good so you know probably maybe gave you the, the <laughs> gave me the, the heebie-jeebies the okay that you needed right <laughs> well and like it, it's it, so like as for as much as the ds confused me the 3ds made total sense to me you know like like no glasses 3d i thought was a brilliant idea um probably not an idea you know like definitely a gimmick um and not a lot of games really use it as much as like games found interesting ways to use the touch screen. Um, but, but like, it just made sense to me. Um, and, and I kind of what, Oh yeah. yeah go I was ahead, just going to say, and I think part of why, cause I didn't jump on the 2ds bandwagon and it took me into the 3ds. I think it is also part of it. At that point I understood, okay, that's their mobile console. Like uh, there wasn't also a game boy where I'm like, Okay, so this is what is this then? If not, there where you're doing handheld games. So I it, that was a little confusing when 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 they just got rid of the Game Boy and they're like, okay, it's all DS now. Then I was all like, okay, so this is just what I buy if I want to play, you know, Mario and Zelda not on a TV. Okay, now I get it. I think that right. that difference helped at least for me. Um, Mark, just to check in about one more thing. Um, you mentioned that you played Pokemon Go, yes. right? Yes. Um, so, like, do you find mobile gaming um, something about it because it's on the phone? Is it less of a barrier, or is that a different type of gaming to you? Or, and, and do you play mobile games, or is it just Pokemon Go? Like, what's your... Yeah, actually, I think uh, the first two things you said are correct. Like, um, the cell phone is really low barrier to entry because I'm going to have my phone around me anyway. Um, the nature of the gaming, if I have like a Game Boy or a dedicated like gadget that is for video games, like I expect a greater degree of complexity. Um, and also I intend to like be more focused on the task of gaming. So like when I, um, like I got Knights of the Old Republic for my iPhone, I was like, mm-hmm. Knights of the Old Republic, that kicks ass. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll get it. And, like, it's hard to play on an iPhone. And I found I didn't want to spend time doing that. And I prefer to, like, play these sort of hybrid, um, like, time waster games. Like, there's there's one I love called Grindstone, which is essentially Candy Crush, but you're a little barbarian chopping up colorful monsters instead of 
crushing candy or whatever they whatever they do on candy crush um so mm-hmm. like it, it's like low commitment i could pick it up and drop it at any time and it's not a big deal i'm not going to get sucked into it and invested in the story because there's not much story so that's mobile gaming for me now on cell phones did you play any of those Mar- uh, nintendo uh mobile games like the the little mario run or any of those i have not yeah, You're not missing much, okay. but <laughs> I kind of I have a I have a question actually to the group to kind of piggyback off that. question to to kind of all my other guests is um do you get the same is mobile gaming the same to you as handheld gaming no do you get the same joys with mo- no why, why do you say i'm that? not into mobile gaming that much in general there's like one game that i play um if i'm like on the toilet uh that's it i mean i just don't uh it, it, they're nonsense games i associate it with all that free to play but you know but they're really gouging you kind of stuff and the games i find just too simplistic if it's if it's solitaire or something fine i'm not looking for anything too complicated but all these you know bejeweled or anything they all seem to be some variation of match three things of the same color and it, they're just to compare that to something like you know uh link between worlds or, or the you know a lot of complex rpgs that they have i mean it's just it's completely not the same thing to me um i don't i don't like the mobile games very much right everybody else i tried i definitely tried i went to uh anime expo i think and they were like hey uh, Fate has a has a mobile game, and I'm like, I don't really play mobile games. But they were like, Well, here's a VR headset where you can be Saber and swing Excalibur. I'm like, Okay, I'll download Fate Go, Grand Order, and give it a try. And then that was my first experience with a gotcha game. I'm like, Oh, even the non freemium games are kind of freemium. Mm-hmm. So I I other than was it Mass Effect Infiltrator was the only mobile game that really, like, gripped me, but that was because, like, hey, are you deep in that Mass Effect, uh, Steez? Like, like play this game. It will it will affect your playthrough of Mass Effect 2 and all this other stuff. And, you know, that was fairly well designed, but going off with what was just said, uh, you don't get the kind of... Oh, I hate saying this. You don't get the sophistication of, of, of game uh, on, the, on the cell phone, in my opinion. Bill, what about you? Uh, to Mason's point, yeah, there's definitely a different uh, like transactional uh, dealy going on for mobile games as opposed to like even handheld games where they're uh, you know looking to you know get five ten dollars from you and then like if a game is advertised as free, they might get that, but if a game were to cost like five dollars in the you know app store people will turn up their noses and it'd be like, why is this game so expensive? Which, uh, you know, based on our, you know, experience with games where back when we were kids, like, you know, Chrono Trigger would cost like $90 and 
1995 money. It's like $5 for a game in comparison seems like a bargain. Uh, It kind of makes me feel like there are still multiple lanes open for playing games on the go. There's like the games that are like extremely truncated micro experiences, like, you know, the match three games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely really enjoyed playing like threes on my own iPhone for a long time or like P-Cross games and stuff like that. And then you can get into like a slightly uh, wider band of experiences with like DS games and uh, Switch games. And like there is still like room for like a more in-depth experience where you are paying like, 40 50 60 dollars to uh, up front to purchase that game yeah i mean it's it's i guess it you know I, I did try to when i had a commute you know and i would commute 45 minutes into the city into the loop that was like uh, there was a while i had tried some different games i thought there's some really interesting ways like it's got to be a game for me that's built for the system you can't put like fake controls on top of the touch screen to try to play a regular game of that isn't meant for that like i feel like you know, they're, I can't remember what they were. It's been such a long time since I've had to play them. But, um, you know, and it was interesting with Nintendo and how they did, like, they've been trying out all sorts of uh, their strategy with that because Mario Run was $10 initially and with mm-hmm. nothing else. Uh, but then people were like, nah, we don't, you know, everybody was like, why? And they were trying to, you know, have that kind of, I don't know, uh, gravitas or whatever it is, like, you know, with the Mario. You can't cheapen it or something but um so i think it depends like right now i don't play i played a couple like mario kart tour is isn't bad there's a lot of weird money gimmicks they're trying to get you from you for that but as a game i thought it plays okay and i've i've gone through and played a little bit of it so it depends on the system i think that yeah i don't know i think there's something there but i don't think there's like i can't see somebody putting in 20 hours of of like dedicated cinematic story game storytelling on a uh on a phone um that said like there's cloud-based gaming now so like stadia or some of these other places you can just load it up and play one like cyberpunk on the phone if you wanted to so i don't know for me personally it's not like my thing but i can see certain games have certain benefits based on the platform i think yeah i a lot of mobile gaming strikes to me is just um because I mean, it's a phone. It's a it's a it's essentially a tiny computer, really. Like it's not really meant for gaming, but it has evolved gaming over time. Um, but I don't know what it is. Like it like mobile gaming just doesn't scratch the same itch as uh, handheld gaming. Like if I want to play a handheld game, I'm gonna play a handheld game. If I don't want to, I'm gonna listen to music. Like those are my things mm-hmm. on the go, you know, or just enjoy wherever I am. Um, Oh man, you guys, I'm looking at all my DS games and I'm just like so happy right now because there's so many good DS games sitting in this box. Like uh, I'm, I'm looking at the titles I have and I realize like the DS was a bastion of JRPGs. Mm-hmm. You know, like you have the Final Fantasy remakes of three and four. You have, um, you know, Shin Megami Tensei. Uh, you have almost the entirety of Dragon Quest on the DS family. And I think that's that's something I'd love to bring up is the fact that Dragon Quest IX, one of the mainline Dragon Quests, was a DS title only, yeah. like really speaks to the success of the system because Dragon Quest is kind of the barometer in Japan 
if your system is doing well or not. You know, like Dragon Quest goes where the money goes. So I think to put their main game on the DS system was, you know, a seal of approval. Uh, God, there's so many good games on this freaking system. I love it. I'm so sad. We sort of have (laughs) talked about in varying ways here, like uh, right before like mobile games really took off in a big way, like the DS was where you could go to more inexpensively develop a game where uh, like maybe like at least uh, again, limited understanding, foot and mouth risk high. Uh, Japanese developers were like, eh, maybe we don't want to develop for the PS3 right now. It seems really expensive and really hard. It's like, well, you can put this game out on the DS. It's you know, it requires a much more basic uh, graphic assets and like coding expertise. I'm guessing, and like you can reach this massive audience of people that's already there. So then it's like, yeah, maybe we can just put out our the next game in our JRPG series on the DS instead, and we'll we'll wait for the wait for the PS3 to really take off before we put Dragon Quest Ten on there. <laughs> well, and something we haven't talked about is the Street Pass function on the oh, yeah. DS. Um, not as prevalent in America, more prevalent in the cities, and definitely more prevalent in Japan. But like, I remember like wanting to use that whenever I could and like having it on, having it on when I was on the train or somewhere populous and like, you know, you get the little notification. Oh, you have a street pass. And I like Um, look around, try to see who it is. (laughs) I know you're like trying to like make eye contact and it's, you're not going to know. You're not going to know. I loved that in college. Yeah. I remember walking (laughs) around campus and then there were people swiveling their heads to see who, who's me just bumped into who. Uh, Yeah. Um, so for the newbie, here or the uh, the great glorious outcast what is the street pass is this a a, a token for sexual intercourse <laughs> absolutely yes that was yeah what so an exciting system deeply <laughs> sexual <laughs> so it was grinder before grinder i'm gonna exactly. i'm gonna let christian start this part and then we'll go from there so basically what it was was you would be playing and i have my um my 3ds with me right now you would be playing a game and you would get most of the, a lot of the games would have a functionality where if somebody was nearby you also playing their 3DS, um, you would be notified that somebody else was playing. And, and, and in that way, you could, you could use it in a lot of different ways. Um, Fire Emblem Awakening, for instance, you could then get into a battle with that person's characters. Uh, and then if you won that battle, you would get their main character and be able to add them to your party. Um, for it, it worked differently. If Animal Crossing, you'd be able to visit their town. Um, Smash Brothers, maybe you were able to fight them. I don't know. I didn't own the 3DS um, Smash Brothers. But, so every game would find their, most games at least, and a lot of the Nintendo produced ones, would find their way of uh, joining, you know, bringing some element of that other gamer's version of that game into your own game. Um, and there were also like little mini games you could play and you'd see their me and just all sorts of stuff like that. Cool. And, but only if they were in your physical proximity. And I don't know how close they had to be. So you'd see it a lot on yeah, trains like, or walking around. Public. The, uh, you would know that you had a, a street pass notification. Um, and like, so like every time you street pass with someone, there'd be puzzles that you're like, you know, tiles that you'd have, you get to complete. So it encourages you to like, uh, go be, you know, be around more people. So like every, you would know you get a street pass notification because there would be a green light that would blink on your 3ds 
when it was closed. So you're like, oh, and you could see that you saw somebody. And sometimes, like, they had a thing called Spot Pass where they, where Nintendo itself would just send people. Like, they would just send somebody. Like, you had, like, a plaza that you'd go to. And, uh, like, you know, Miyamoto at one point, you know, during E3, they would send in, like, Reggie or something. And then you'd get, like, a special part. And um, with that stuff, you can... Um, Street, but you could play like they had their own little mini game, which was really interesting. Uh, where you had to fight. Uh, in, there was an adventure mode or a puzzle mode. In adventure mode, you had to save other means. They really did a really good job, I thought, with that as far as far as the social uh, part of it. It was I thought I, it, when I moved to Chicago the first time, I still I carried my 3DS around with me, and I remember going to the original IO Theater and having it in my pocket, getting pulled on stage uh, to talk about you know the dream. Uh, where they interview an audience member. <laughs> I and did the dream. I, I talked about Nintendo, and I was like, actually, guys, I have it right here. Uh, and, uh, yeah, no, it was a really cool social feature, encouraging yeah. you to bring it everywhere you went. And you could, the system didn't have, you didn't have to be playing the system, Mark. Like, it could be in a sleep mode, um, and it could still receive street and spot passes. Like, I took mine um, to the Legend of Zelda concert because I knew yeah. everyone was going to take their 3DSs or DSs to that thing, and I got so many street passes. So, like, for Dragon Quest, you know, if you got a street pass, you know, it would give you an extra item or maybe a dungeon, a bonus dungeon would unlock. You know, each game used it differently. That's really cool. I um, I really like the idea of a game you're playing can be enhanced through socializing with other people who like that game. And it reminds me a little bit of um, the idea behind Death Stranding's multiplayer functionality, where it's like, you both love this game, you're doing stuff in the game, and you can like help other people um, through your presence in the game, but you're not like playing two-player with them. You're just... Yeah. Right. Was it Do, like they... Dark Souls tried to encourage that with the notes, yeah, but Dark Souls, never yeah, became that. Just... <laughs> with Death Stranding, was it like they, they could build roads or paths and stuff? Yeah. And then, then you could help mm-hmm. you traverse? That is really cool. Yeah. It, you leave stuff behind for other people, like altruistically, and you're like, I hope someone has an easier time than I did with this river. Mark, do you have any other questions at this time? Uh, no, but I have a thought. Oh, what's your thought? Thank you. So um, this is like, uh, not I'm not a a Japanese cultural anthropologist in any sense of the word, but um, it occurred to me the DS is a little compact system that folds, right? You've got the the flip screen. Um, It has a little pen in it. And Mm -hmm. like there's this kind of through line from what I observed in Japan of like a love of stationary, which I think comes Mm -hmm. from like having a language that lends itself to calligraphy um, or a written written alphabet. Um, And also um, like gift giving and the presentation of gifts has like a tradition in Japan that is kind of absent from the US where like if you go to a store and you just buy a box of chocolates they'll wrap it for you in like an elegant beautiful way and it's not just like you bought a thing but it's like you bought a thing and they turned it into this beautiful gift for you which you unwrap and unpack and so the the DS is kind of like the console that you unpack you like open up its little case. It's got a little pen for you, so you can do some calligraphy on it. So, I I I don't know if I'm just looking for these things, but it feels like there's a lot of kind of cultural artifacts baked into that system. 
It's funny you say that because I was reminded I, I dug up my 3DS after not having not played it for years because I, I have a Switch. Um, and they Nintendo, I forgot and um, that Nintendo would periodically send you presents in within the thing and they would appear just as like a gift box that would be an app within your 3ds and then you would click it and it would open up and you discover some demo for kirby RoboBot or some nonsense that you don't even want to play but i had like a ton of them because i hadn't played this for years and i just i just opened it up and nintendo had sent me like 10 presents over the course <laughs> of the last five years or however long it's been. So yeah, that idea of gift giving is even exam is even exemplified. A lot of things you can yeah go to the PS uh, PS store and buy a demo of something or, or get a free demo of something. But it's not just given to you like a present. So what you're describing is 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 definitely I think um, valid. Yeah, there there is like this weird um, elegant joy to the system, like it, like. Kind of like the way when you turn the Game Boy Advance on, like it, its colors kind of like the logo flies in and and is like, you know, like the DS kind of feels like it has some of that a little a little more so than the Switch. Like the Switch feels more like it has Western um, influence on it for better and worse, um, where the, the, the DS and the 3DS still still feel really Japanese, but in a good way. Um, the I don't know if it's the CEO of Sanrio or if it was just the like company's um, catchphrase slogan. It was "small gift, big smile," and I think that there's um, an appre- an appreciation for like like um, little, elegant, precise, like well packaged, but also minimal. I feel like in mm-hmm. the U.S., it's like I want the biggest system. I want to pour diesel gasoline in it. I want to. I want it to be a couch as well. You know, it's. But <laughs> there's not that appreciation of like the well-made item. And I don't know. Perhaps first DS wasn't well-made, as you said. It had like a underbite or something. So maybe <laughs> maybe they it iterated did. and got better over time. Um, it got braces and uh, spent a lot of money. <laughs> on dental work um no i i I mean like we're seeing this now with the ps5 where it's like look at me i'm this huge behemoth that is white and weighs eight to ten pounds you know and i don't fit in any logical entertainment center um like it it, it's the pendulum has suddenly swung the other way versus like the ps4 where it's like you know tiny square box might be hard to see um it always it's always felt to me like nintendo products are kind of like apple products you know they're very the good apple products like they're they're really simple and elegant form functioning to kind of bring it back to mobile gaming obviously nintendo has discontinued the line um there will be no more of the ds family Uh, the switch has kind of taken on the mantle of being a mobile device or sorry a handheld device and a console at the same time. So I guess this is kind of a two-parter question to everyone. Can you have handheld gaming in today's world with you know mobile gaming kind of infringing upon that? Is there room for a dedicated handheld device? Or was Nintendo right to merge those things? Uh, you know, and, and have we seen the end of handheld consoles as we know them? I would think so. Um, Nintendo, as much of a wild success as the Switch has been, um, 
it's, you know, and it's going to sell very, very well, 100 million units plus, I'm sure, uh, if it's not already there. Um, but that's not better than you had the Wii, which sold over 100 million units, and you had the DS, which sold over 100 million units. And the Switch is not going to sell over 200 million units. So you're ultimately, they're losing money, and they, they, they probably don't like that, but they knew that they had to. Because mobile gaming, handheld gaming as we knew it, is basically over. I mean, it, it continues in as much as we have the Switch, but nobody, I, I'm sure, I, I don't have data to back this up, but 3DS sold less well than the DS did because 3DS existed entirely in an era of smartphones, whereas the DS mainly existed in an era before smartphones. So that, I think that tells the story right there, and and. 3DS sales, while while high near the beginning, not at the very beginning, but in the first years, were going down because it's just not... It, it, mobile gaming is so ubiquitous because everybody has their phone. Nobody's going to think that they need to buy something like this. Um, so I think Switch was a move they had to make. It's a little bit of a shame, but now that they've made it, they can't go back. Because once you've said you can have something that does both, to, to make the next one have less um, maneuverability and versatility w- would be a death sentence. So they pretty much have to stick with the Switch way of doing things, and that kind of prohibits having any sort of uh, handheld game. Do you, Christian, sorry, just to, to piggyback real quick. Do you think, I mean, uh, do you think it's because of smartphones that people are like, I don't need a dedicated handheld? Because we, like... Just like talking with all of you, we've kind of identified that mobile gaming is kind of a different beast and doesn't necessarily scratch the parts of the brain that a, that a handheld gaming would. Or do you think the populace just doesn't care about that? Or do you think it's a price thing? Of Like, what do you specifically think? I think it's not, not a price thing. Um, I think there's a, a little bit of a hard justification when you know you have the phone that can do that and why do I need another thing? But I also think it's that, yes, for people like us, more hardcore gamers, the handheld, uh, a 3DS is always gonna be better than a mobile system. But most people aren't like that. Um, and the DS and the 3DS did so well um, because it was that blue ocean strategy of getting people like the people you met at that party, Chris, um, who bought it and they were playing Brain Age and they were playing Nintendogs. Those kind of games work fine on a mobile system. Um, and when so many people are playing games like that, just like people who bought a Wii, you know, we yeah, we all love playing Skyward Sword and Metroid Prime Three and Mario Galaxy. But most of people were playing uh, Wii Sports and they were playing Wii Play. I mean, and, and doing Wii Fitness and and those kind of people weren't going to be coming on the handheld train. Um, you were losing them, so you had to, I think, pivot um, and make another decision. Kind of disagree with the conclusion that we're drawing here because I think that they didn't sacrifice or give up their handheld development to focus on uh, home development. They've sacrificed their home development to focus on handheld development. I think Mm -hmm. the the strongest case I can make for that is when they came out with a cheaper uh, version of the Switch, the Switch Lite. It's not like just a box you plug into your TV. It's a portable system. Mm -hmm. They took out the part that lets you play it on your TV. Uh, I, I, I guess I would say that the the bigger conclusion here, uh, putting setting that aside, is like 
if you look at the the moves that you know Microsoft and Sony are making, like they, you know, they have a lot more money to throw around than Nintendo. Nintendo being a big company, but you know, Microsoft and Sony being you know absolutely massive by comparison, and like they're you know now buying up their own development studios to like kind of uh, get their own ecosystem going again. Whereas like previous generation, previous two generations, there was more like everything showed up everywhere. Nintendo is going to have to find some way to put out either more games or like focus on more quality in the games they do put out. And they weren't going to necessarily be able to afford to buy more development studios. So like putting all of their talents behind one like focus. And I think that focus is like handheld games that also you can play at home is uh, how they're going to try and stay afloat going forward. Hmm. That's a really interesting. I hadn't considered looking at it that way, Bill. Like that they they've kind of like just made a super powerful handheld uh, in the Switch. I'll be curious if they do a Switch Pro, like what that does to the user base. But we don't have any. We have no info on a Switch Pro or what that could look like. So that is yeah. Um, yeah, I was saying the Switch Lite was kind of like was something I was saying because I looked it up and Switch Lite has ten million sold. So I think Switch Lite is, uh, as of September 2020, there's 10 million Switch Lights that have been sold. Um, Versus how many regular Switches do you know? uh, You know, I don't know. I was trying to see that number, and there's a lot of stuff on this Wikipedia page. Um, I I saw that the Switch total, I don't know if this includes the Switch Lite, but Switch sales have surpassed the 3DS sales, which were 75 million. Oh, okay. Yeah, Yeah, I think that... um, I think that those people that that you saw had had a DS. We keep going back to this party, Chris. This is gonna <laughs> just keep a, going back to this party. Jumping off point. Uh, I I think that like the more casual people are going to be going for like the two hundred dollar handheld console because they're not going to want to play it. They don't you know they don't care. I think that's what they because they're all in fun colors and so I think that's the play for that. I think eventually, essentially, it's it's really interesting to see where mobile gaming and and that is in handheld gaming is is. Because like now you see, like controllers that have like you can get an adapter or a device, something to hold your phone on top of the controller. So you're you're playing the game, but it's a blue you know Bluetooth controller connected to your phone, and you're just using your phone as a screen. And so where where Nintendo is making specific devices built for an experience, I think Microsoft and Sony are more worried about the cloud architecture, so that they can just be like, all right, well you have an app on your phone, you can just play your game library already. Um, so they're not putting as much into it. I would be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if the next thing that Nintendo puts out, like not like let's say there's a Switch Pro this year, let's say four years down the road, the next like system is a home console, but can play Switch games because Switch games don't necessarily, you know, like you they don't need anything that you can't already do. Like it can connect to Switch peripheral. I feel like that that the way that they're building it now is is for the future. But I think that. They'll have a bunch of different options, you know, a more powerful thing if you want to play more powerfully. I don't know. It's it's really interesting to see where where it all goes. But I think it eventually comes down to the games, um, yeah. Because, you know, I think that's where what, what's going to drive people, especially to buy them. And, and if you make a, a cheaper price point, like if the Switch Lite goes down to one fifty, and that's a and it, you can play any of the Switch games on it, like it just like that's an easy point for people who aren't really interested in games that could just start playing. Well, and I mean, you mentioned this at the top of the show, but you are 
an ambassador for the 3ds oh, yeah. which means yeah. you bought the 3ds when it was full price um 300 i think is what it was it was, was yeah it was 300 and they cut the price like it's been it had been on the market for i think maybe six months and mm-hmm. was selling very poorly and nintendo was yep. like we're gonna cut 80 dollars off the price which was huge uh and it turned it around like that gamble totally worked um so yeah, that's, yeah. That's so they gave me what 11 games i think is what is like I have a whole like list of games from yes you yep. know that i never would have you know played otherwise um i mean there's some games that i wanted to play but like i never you know owned them so it was like it was cool to have them all in there um mason what yeah. do you think what do you think about you know is, is there room for a handheld device in today's mobile market I think it's difficult. I think you need to create something that really has staying power in in that. And I, I hate... No, I don't hate that. My brain immediately was like, you know how, like, in Dragon Ball, they followed up Frieza with Perfect Cell, and you're like, damn, that's a good follow-up. Um, that's kind of my take on the DS being followed by, hey, we're going to hybridize handheld. Because I had this experience of getting my Switch not knowing a plague was about to hit and I was going to be locked inside with it. (laughs) Um, And then I did. I got one in February of this year. And the idea uh, from, you know, having a childhood with a lot of handheld gaming that these big, I play a lot of RPGs and, like, involved action games, that I could have an experience like Breath of the Wild and take it with me, I was like, handheld gaming just just stepped up. Like, it's right. changed. It has evolved. And I, I kind of, I don't know. I just got, my, my like, uh, holiday gift to me was a split, was I got big hands. I got a split pad pro for when my Switch is, you know, on the go. And mm-hmm. it's it seemed to me like a logical progression that it's like, okay, let the MOBA and the freemium people do their thing. Uh, we're going to... Uh, use kind of like a synergy of what's best about home gaming and console gaming and make it one experience. And I think Nintendo should probably lean into that more or find a way to answer... I I always think about how VR is going to complicate all this, but, you know, whatever Nintendo's next thing is going to be, I think it's going to have to have some degree of mobility to it or else its fans are going to be angry. To to, uh, expand on your point of... uh if the DS is Frieza and the Switch is Cell, then that means the next one's going to be real bad and weird. So I, I hope it does not follow the Dragon Ball trajectory because Boo ain't great. That That's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, so, you know, Mark, like, as I mentioned to you on um, our Witcher podcast, I'm I'm playing The Witcher 3 on the Switch. So, like, sometimes I'm on the screen, sometimes I take it with me, which is absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Um, you should never not be playing The Witcher. I played... <laughs> I played Doom 20... The 2016 Doom game on the Switch on an, on an airplane, and it's the most, like, anxious I've ever been. Like, trying to play that game and, like, as fast-paced as it is, as an airplane's trying to <laughs> land, it's it's the nuttiest thing. But it's... It, 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 <laughs> I don't think I would want to combine those two anxieties, but uh, I'm impressed. I didn't expect it to be. Yeah, I just was like, I I want to play this game. I have time. I'm going to play it. And then it just got like really stressful. Yeah, on a plane, (laughs) I think you really want an Animal Crossing level of stress. Uh, Playing a game like that, that's not the place for that. So 
something that sticks out in my mind is um, everything is a screen nowadays and everything with the internet of things can connect to the internet. So you've got like Stadia where all your games and the processing power, I assume, is, is uh, you know, not in your device or not, not something you bought. Um, I feel like Nintendo should do like a smart controller and the controller is the console. And you can clip your cell phone onto the controller or it can connect to any number of televisions or laptops or monitors because everybody's got a million screens now. You don't need to give the consumer a screen. Just give them like a portable controller that has a computer's brain in it and can like connect with multiple different types of devices. And you can push your Super Mario game into your cell phone or onto your home smart TV. I think that would be awesome. But I, th- I think that works down the line, but there's still internet connectivity and Wi-Fi in some parts of the world is so shaky yeah. um, that you can't do that yet. Um, eventually, I think will come the time when you can do that. But there are there are places in, in America where if you're outside a major city um, in, in a rural area, you just pretty much don't have the internet at all. Um, so until we get our act together better, I think that's still a little ways away. I think I think I think that's a really cool idea. I think like the technological systems would have a hard time with that. Like I could see Android being like, it should work, but I don't know why it's not. And then of course Apple products would be like, well, you need to buy the special adapter to hook your controller up. You know, that's ninety thousand um, dollars. But that's a cool idea. I'd be curious. I can see it. Yeah, yeah. I can see it be easily being like the actual controller. Because like, have you ever seen like the 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 NES Mini or the SNES? They're not big. It's like if you have the actual controller. The games are stored in the controller, and then you just need to download an app on your phone, and you just beam it to the app or phone or you know whatever smart device. It's it's an interesting thing, but you know it's. It kind of reminds me of those like things you buy at Walgreens, like that have like the, <laughs> the controller and the game built in one. Yeah. Kind of. And obviously, you'll need a GameCube controller one for Smash Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> adapter yeah indeed so mark have we done it have we convinced you to buy discontinuous <laughs> yeah or borrow eBay. your girlfriend that's right i can dig that out ebay here i come so mark so mark i i'm gonna make a plea to you i'm gonna make a plea to you so i do think i do think you someday you should get a ds or a 3ds and just put it in your closet <laughs> Get some games for super cheap. Play it someday. Because there's so many really great titles that only live in the DS family. And and unless Nintendo does something to, to emulate those on future hardware, those titles are locked away. And if if you couldn't tell from the top of the show, like we each have different like there's so many just great, great library of games on these two systems um probably more like i know the probably more so than the wii like i think the ds and the 3ds have just a varied library like there's something for everybody somewhere on those systems are you in the, and it's probably great. are you a nintendo guy in general mark like do you have a switch i mean or or have or were you one of those that played it when you were a kid the super nintendo and then kind of moved on to the others yeah i'm more nintendo kid nintendo childhood um, and then the post-college back into gamer days was Xbox Xbox, and now PlayStation. Um, but 
Uh, my girlfriend and I live together, so we are a Nintendo household. So I do have access to a Switch and to the 3DS and her old DS, which she was showing me before I uh, jumped on here. Mark, do you have any final questions that you wish to ask as we are nearing the end of our show here? Mm, no, I am completely satisfied. <laughs> I, I, I give this podcast a rating of 7 out of 10 DSs. <laughs> I, I give it uh, four out of five styluses. Four out of five. Oh, very good. Very good. Um, everybody else, is there anything we, we, we didn't touch on? Um, we didn't talk too much about a lot of the 3DS games, I think. Just just to hit on the... Yeah. I mean, we all mentioned our favorites, and but, I mean, A Link Between Worlds is a fantastic game that if people who like the Zelda franchise... I know Mason said he wasn't a huge fan, but... Uh, no, it was great. It just... It didn't... It's not my favorite 3DS game. Sure, it's yeah. just, it's phenomenal, right. though. It's a great game. And, you know, uh, the the new Super Mario Brothers series coming out of the DS games and in Super Mario 3D Land, Animal Crossing New Leaf, as much as everybody's obsessed with New Horizons, New Leaf was really great, too. Uh, and then I do think it was what introduced a lot of, I mean, obviously Smash Brothers is what introduced us to Fire Emblem in the West. But I, I don't think a lot of people ended up playing the games that did end up coming to GameCube and Wii until Awakening really, I thought, I think brought a lot of people, myself included, into that Fire Emblem franchise. And I think that's why it continues to be so big with Three Houses and stuff. So there's a lot of cool stuff there um, and, and a lot of hidden gems uh, as well. So, so many great games. Luigi's, Luigi's Mansion, Mansion Dark Moon is phenomenal. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, is there a game that you guys, any of you missed that you wish you would have played on any of those systems? I have a lot on the DS. Like I never played, um, I never played Phantom Hour. I played Phantom Hourglass a little bit and I, I never played Spirit Tracks. And as a Zelda guy, I feel guilty that there's games I haven't beaten in that franchise. And I never played the 64 where you could play as like Wario and Luigi and Yoshi and stuff. So I, I'm sad I never did that either. This is gonna sound weird. I never played Nintendogs, um, even though that game is like, like when I was looking up the list of games that have you know like New Super Mario Brothers was number one, but Nintendogs was like third or fourth in total sales for the DS, um, and I, I don't think it's a game that would really interest me. But I would be curious to play it just to see like why it did so well and what people found appealing about yeah. it. Professor Layton. I also never played any of those games. Oh yeah. The oh, Layton yeah. games. Yeah. Um, Castlevania order of Ecclesia Ecclesia. I have it. I have not, I've hardly put any time into it. Um, and I then, spent, oh, oh, oh yeah. Go ahead, Mason. I was like, I've spent so much time on so many different handheld Castlevania games. It's insane. I never <laughs> got around to playing the world ends with you. Uh, yep. Which was a huge DS hit. I think they're coming out with a sequel or a new one or a remake or something. Okay, cool. Yep. There is a port on Switch. Oh, gotcha. Too, okay. Yeah, yeah a lot of these games have been ported to Switch, so that's a good way to play them, even if you... I'm waiting for Metroid Samus I can't Returns. believe I, they really need to do that, because I, I got it, but I was... I, and I started it, and I liked it, but the, I also just newly had a Switch, and that's all I wanted to play, and yeah. I never got around to finishing that's it. That's why I never got it. Yeah, yeah, Mark. Mark, that is a game. Like, if you can only play one DS game or three DS game, since you like Metroid, I would I would push you towards Metroid: Samus Returns. Mm. Um, and it's one of the few three DS games where I leave the 3D on because it just looks great. 
Um, uh, you know, like a, a lot of the games don't need the 3D. It, it doesn't necessarily add to them. I usually left the 3D on in most of my games just because I liked it. But Samus Returns just looks amazing with the 3D turned on, for sure. I would all, And it's very moody. I yeah. would always do the 3D just like just a little bit. Like I liked that it wasn't just on or off. It was a slider. So you could choose how yes. much 3D you wanted. And I, I liked – I wanted just enough so I, real, I recognize – that, okay, I have 3D in this, but not so much where I'm like, whoa, um, that, that was my sweet spot. Right. Well, and I, like, I love that in like Super Mario 3D Land, you could have it pop out at you, or you could have it like sink into the screen. Like you could mm-hmm. change the direction of it, which was, I haven't seen that implemented in any other games, but they did it for that game, and that was really a cool, cool idea. Uh, Bill, was there a DS or 3DS game you missed that that is on a backlog that you would love to play? I'd love to get through uh, Fire Emblem Awakening. I got like halfway through that originally and then tailed off. Uh, I think the one, though, that most of all I want to get through is Persona Q, Mm. which is like the mashup of the Persona and Etrian Odyssey franchise because uh, so the Persona Q game it's uh, got a weird thing going on with its cartridge where the cartridge version uh, breaks. Uh, it'll just like stop working after a while. And I didn't know that at first. So I played through the game, you know, I got through like, you know, 30 hours or whatever cartridge just bricked, stopped working, couldn't load, uh, failed. So I was like, all right, well forget that. Then, uh, you know, a couple years went by. I was like, I'm ready to give this another try. So I bought another copy of Persona Q. I put in another 30 hours, and oh. it bricks again. And then this time I was like, all right, well, we got to figure out what's going on here. And it's like, yeah, there's something that go- with the manufacturing of these cartridges where a lot of them just get this error and break. Because I, like, I saw like multiple pages of Google results for this error per- and then Persona Q. So I guess I'm not that special in that regard. But uh, I do have it now digitally downloaded on my 3DS. I bought it through the eShop. Uh, and I'm just waiting for the right time, the right time to get hurt again. <laughs> Hopefully the digital version does not break. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> um, Dan, did you answer crossed. your Dan, did you answer your own question? Yeah, Samus Returns. That's that's oh, okay. my game. Yeah. Okay. I never got a chance to play it cuz I had moved on. I, I thought that, oh, they're going to put a Switch version out at some point. They, they, they probably still yet. will. I got to assume, but Yeah. They say that there will be a Metroid Prime 4 and a Metroid Prime 1 through 3 bundle on Switch, and I want both of those very much. Those would be very much loved and and needed. Yes. Um, I'm sure we'll get Metroid Prime in 2028, and we'll all love it. So. <laughs> Yay, right? pew, pew, pew. Right about the time we get the other part of Final Fantasy VII <laughs> Remake. I, I just finished that today, the first one. The oh, only nice. one right now. <laughs> the, the only one, but... Um, perfect. Well, it, it is time for us to say goodbye to the DS and the 3DS. They they will be missed, but hopefully the Switch and other other devices will carry on their legacy. Um, gentlemen, at this time, is there anything you wish to promote? Anything you were working on? Uh, other podcasts that you're doing? Any any things you got coming up? Now's the time to plug your stuff. Uh, yeah, I do have something. Um, a play that I wrote is being, um, 
is being uh, recorded on a podcast uh, called Garden of Voices. I think it's coming out sometime this month or maybe February. Um, it's called No One Looks Good at Four in the Morning. So be on the lookout for that if you like podcasts, and you do because you're listening to this, or you like you like plays. <laughs> if you like plays. Very good. Um, Dan, what about you? Is there anything you're working on that we should know about? Yeah, I started making episodes of my, I have a podcast where I interview animals and, um, you know, I have the ability to talk to animals like Dr. Doolittle would. And so I just interview them and, uh, yeah. So it's called talking wild with Dan. Check it out. It's all over the internet, wherever you get your podcasts. And, uh, yeah, Chris, we're going to get you on the show at some point I know, or your I, animal on the show. I think you may have a very Chris sounding animal very soon. So for sure. I can't yeah. wait to hear it can't wait to hear that um bill what about you what what you got going on well i have a video game podcast titled so many bits that i put out usually every monday uh it's been a little intermittent the past couple months we'll see if i can spin it back up more in 2021 but it features uh interviews with indie game developers and other people associated with the game industry uh chris uh himself has been on uh just as a person to talk about video games with but also to talk about his extensive background in mocap work. So that was a great episode if you want to check that out. Uh, otherwise, I'm on twitch.tv slash so many bits every Wednesday and Thursday night, 8 p.m. Central. Wednesdays usually for single player experiences and then Thursdays for multiplayer games. Bill, did I see that you were on a Retronauts podcast? I was on a Retronauts podcast, yes. Yeah, I, uh, what topic was yeah. that? That was for uh, Crisis Core, so more ff7 we talked about uh crisis core and like the the story behind that one and uh it's weird kind of exile on the psp yeah all right very cool i love retro knots so I, I thought i saw your name pop up and i was like oh is that the is that no is it oh so very cool uh mason is there anything that you have going on that we should know about uh, you know what? I'll say it. I'm working on my first ever podcast. Um, I, uh, uh, yeah, I got my recording set up. I got some guests lined up and uh, I'm a big uh, Dungeons and Dragons nerd. So if you follow me on Instagram at MasonKD20, um, you'll find out some more. I'm going to be interviewing some people who are near and dear to me about uh, their favorite characters and what they got out of playing those characters. That's cool. Yeah, I think I'm fascinated by the uh, roles we give ourselves when uh, there's no casting director around. (laughs) Very cool. Uh, I need to I need to talk to you then about this show as well. Yeah, we. I I was going to say we should definitely have you on. Uh, Tell Um, me, tell me of your journeys. We'll talk about the journey. Uh, Mark, what about you? What do you want to? If you like uh, science and comedy or movie parody and improvised performances. Uh, I got all that for you on my podcast called Blast Row Podcast. Um, Chris has been a guest on it, uh, and we talked about video games, I think. Um, or I think if so. you want to see me try foods I've never tried before and make faces, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Mark underscore tries, where I try things. Very good. Uh, I love your Instagram, Mark. I it, it is again. I say this every time, but it's a very strange journey Thank you. of watching you try food, and um, I almost try it with you. <laughs> like I have the same emotional reactions you do, even though I'm not tasting the food or whatever that thing is. So, can you give um, us a can you give us yeah. an example of a recent food you've tried? Mm, most recently, dragon fruit. 
Okay. And okay. I believe my verdict was it's just okay. <laughs> it's like I feel I feel that's your verdict. Yeah, a lot. it's like Dragon Fruit is like somebody who is um has really boring personality but like dresses very very provocatively and it's like, "Oh, he must be really fascinating." And then you meet him and it's like, "Oh, this guy's got nothing going on other than those shoes." What is a food that you tried that you thought you would hate but you secretly really liked? Um, ooh, not too long ago I had some Costco dried shiitake mushroom snacks it's sort of like in like chips a little bit but they're more they are literally dried mushrooms and i'm not crazy about mushrooms but whatever they powder it whatever that flavor is um they were good yeah okay okay well follow you on instagram <laughs> to mark learn underscore tries um awesome uh i am your host chris and um we have many topics coming up later this year. We have a lot of interesting topics coming up. Uh, not too long after this podcast, I will be recording an episode about The Mandalorian. So be on the watch out for that. And we'll be talking about Dune later on, uh, along with Christopher Nolan films and a bunch of other stuff. So there's lots of good stuff coming up on the show this year that you have that you get all get to listen to. Um, gentlemen, thank you so much for coming out and chatting about the DS and 3DS with me. It's always interesting to kind of do a big dive on a hardware system. Again, I think we've only done this with the Genesis, the Sega Genesis. So it'd be interesting to do this with like the Wii or you know, the Super NES yeah. or N64. Yeah. I've been your host, Chris Bashan, and talking with me about the Nintendo DS and 3DS have been Christian Masonic, Dan Schiffmacher, Bill Nielsen, Mason Kale, and Mark Soloff. Thank you and have a good evening. Thank you.